Hey there, welcome to the House Podcast. We hope that today's message challenges you in the best ways. Remember to reach out to us anytime, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. church. Oh, you're way better than first service. Thank you so much. First service, I was like, hello? Hello? Anyone, please. I'm new here. Somebody help me. So anyways, great to see you. So glad to be here. It's a real honor for me to be sharing with you this morning. Before I say anything else, I just want to say a huge thank you to Chad for the invitation, to Oliver and Matt, the team, for their warm welcome this morning. And, and I really look forward to being able to share a little bit with you about some of the work that we're doing at Kelowna's Gospel Missionary Community, but also super excited uh, to open the scriptures as we continue our Advent series and see what we can discover about hope on the margins this morning. But before we do that, I just kind of want to fill you in on a little bit of what's going on at Kelowna's Gospel Mission, a little bit about about myself. Uh, My name is Troy McKnight. Uh, I work in the resource development team at Kelowna's Gospel Mission, and my focus is on community relations, which is just a fancy way of saying I build relationships with businesses, faith communities, and donors to educate them about the scope of the work that we do at Kelowna's Gospel Mission to eliminate as best as we can stigma in our community, and then to invite them to join us as partners in two specific ways, through people People power, so think volunteers, and through financial power, so think money, gifts and kinds, stocks, and estate planning. Uh, I've been with Cologne's Gospel Mission. I just celebrated my two-year anniversary with them, and I am loving the work. Uh, previously to returning back to Kelowna, I was a pastor for 20 years. Uh, saw us move, as Matt said, around the world from New York State to Kelowna to Auckland, New Zealand, to New Brunswick, and back again. But we are so excited to be here in this community uh, serving today. So it's just just a huge honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, if I could just have a point of privilege, like, can I just take five minutes to talk about three specific things that I just want to kind of share with you this morning around the mission before we jump in? Is that good? Excellent. I warn people, if one person nods, I'm going to keep going. So good. Uh, That's what we're going to do. First of all, I just want to say a huge thank you to you as a church community for your partnership. There are four or five churches in town that I get to connect with that I really consider committed partners to the work we do at Clones Gospel Mission, and you are one of them. Thank you for your ongoing, compassionate, generous support. And particularly, thank you for the donations that you made last Christmas. You helped us complete our renovation of our Shiloh House kitchen, a kitchen Uh, that hadn't been renovated since 1954. Shiloh House is a space for women who are moving from addiction and homelessness to wholeness. And with your help, we created a new kitchen space that is welcoming and warm and actually functions. But more importantly, it is a place where women gather in community and they go on that journey of healing together. So thank you so much for that. Also, the finances that you gave helped us put new appliances across our entire Harmony Ministries uh, range, which means that women now have appliances that work in every single one of their houses. And that is making a huge difference, not just for the women that we are privileged to serve today, but it's gonna make a difference for generations of women to come. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your partnership and the difference that you're making in the lives of vulnerable men and women today. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to also highlight our our new strategic plan. Uh, Carmen, our executive director and the board, worked hard for about a year to put together a strategic plan, and it was launched this fall. Uh, I have a bunch of copies of this with me today. I would encourage you to pick it up. It is a great way for you to learn more about who we are, what we're doing, and who we feel God is calling us to be as we work together to create a community of hope for all of our neighbors here in Kelowna and really throughout the Okanagan. So please feel free to pick that up and uh, give it a read through and then I'd be happy to chat with you about it uh, at another time. Lastly, I wanna talk about our brand new capital campaign that we are actually launching uh, this 
month. Uh, two of our houses in our Harmony Ministries uh, to women are called the Sela houses, Sela 1 and Sela 2. And they provide supportive, affordable housing for women who've experienced homelessness. In 2019, we had the opportunity to purchase Sela 2, which kind of sits here. And then there's a shared garden between them and Sela 1 sits here. Sela 2 provides housing for eight women, uh, supportive housing, and so does Sela 1. Last spring, the owner of Sela 1, if you'll remember what the market was doing at that point in time, going like this. Sale of One came to us and said, we're looking to sell Sale of One and you can have first crack at it, but we are going to sell it. And as Carmen and the executive and the board got together and prayed, they just said, there's no way that we can turn these eight women back out to the street homeless again. And so uh, they leveraged finances to put together a bridging loan, which allowed us to buy Sale of One and protect not just the women who are living there, but protect the vulnerable women in Sale of House too, and keeping that kind of block of land and those two properties intact. And so what we're doing is we're embarking on a capital campaign where we're looking to raise the purchase price of Sale of One, that was $1.5 million, uh, so that we can pay that bridging loan off and we can reinvest those finances in other life-saving programs in our community. And so if you are a supporter of the gospel mission or if you're looking to make a year-end donation, I want to encourage you to consider joining us uh, with a donation to securing Sela uh, this Christmas season. I have some brochures that kind of outline the process, what Sela is about as well. There's some stories in here about the impact that Sela is having in the lives of the women who call it home. And I'll encourage you to pick one of those up after the service as well. That's it for me. Uh, on to the message. Thank you, though, again, for your ongoing support. Disclaimer right now, and some people have noticed this in the early service. Um, I'm originally from the Maritime, so I'm going to say some things that are, are, are different and funny, like park and car and things like that. So that's going to happen. But the other thing that's going to happen is I'm going to talk at about this speed for the next 15 minutes. So buckle up. This is just who I am and what I do. So please hang in there. I promise you it's going to be okay. But this morning, I want to invite you to join me as we continue our Advent series. And I want to dig into this idea of finding hope on the margins. And in particular this morning, I want to invite you to a well-known, but I would suggest kind of little understood group of characters that are central to the Christmas story. A group of characters that as far as most people in the first century were concerned, did not belong in the story at all. They were people with no voice, no standing, no power in first century culture, okay? I wanna introduce you to my friends, the shepherds. And as we get to know them better this morning, it's my hope that their part and that the story that surrounds them will come to life for us in new ways. You see, in the last couple of years, I've been rereading the Christmas story over and over again during the Advent season. And this story about the shepherds, they've just become like my favorite set of characters as I read through the story. And actually, to tell the truth, as I've worked at Colonial Gospel Mission for the last two years, and as I have interacted regularly with people facing homelessness in our community, the story of the shepherds has come to mean so much more. And so I want to invite you to join me as we unpack some of that this morning, and we'll see where we end up. Now, I'm guessing that most of you are pretty familiar with the story of the shepherds and the part they play in the story. But what I want to do is just kind of read it quickly together this morning. So we all kind of start same place and we'll kind of build from there. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn with me to Luke chapter two, Luke chapter two, and we're going to begin in verse one. It's a little chunk. It's, it's 20 verses. It's a story you all know well, but I want you to try to hear it with fresh ears this morning. And once we read it together, we'll dig into some background, do a little bit of unpacking and see what God might have to say to us this morning about who he is, how he feels about us and the kind of kingdom that he has called us to be a part of this Advent season. So Luke chapter two, beginning in verse one. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. 
This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with his wife Mary, who was, with Mary, sorry, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there were no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds, here they are, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And the angels had left them and gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I mean, come on, right? I mean, how beautiful, how powerful, how incredible, how unbelievable, how history altering is that? Am I right? You do not seem near as excited about this as I am. But that's fair because here's what I think happens to us. We read this story so many times. We become so familiar with it that we actually kind of miss out on the beauty and the power of it all. And so this morning, I want to dig into a little bit of the background and see if we can't breathe some new life into this powerful story today. Now, I think a little bit of background is going to be key for us because there is way more going on in this story than we might first think. See, we have to remember what's going on in history at this time. You see, at this time in history, first century Israel was not a very fun place to be. The Romans had invaded the land. They were taxing people into the ground. They were curtailing religious freedom. And everyone basically was poor, hungry, exhausted, oppressed, and hopeless. That was the tenor of first century Israel. People struggled day in and day out just to get by. People were longing for something better, longing for something more, someone to deliver them, someone to help them, someone to bring them hope and a future. That's what day-to-day -day life was like every single day for every single person in first century Israel. And if this is how tough it was for your everyday person, it was even worse for the shepherds. You see, shepherds were considered to be the lowliest of the low in first century Israel. People looked at shepherds and they considered them to be smelly, to be vile, to be repulsive. As a matter of fact, most people believed that, sent, that all shepherds were scoundrels, thieves, and liars. So much so that in first century culture, the first century law was that shepherds could not give testimony in a court of law. Their testimony was inadmissible because they were not to be trusted to tell the truth, which meant when it came to, to areas of law or accusations, shepherds were without rights, they were without representation, they were without standing. 
I mean, can you imagine what it must have been like to be a shepherd? They were marginalized, they were stigmatized, they were isolated, they were alone, they were considered unclean because of the work they did. So they were not welcome to participate in worship and in the celebration and festivals that were a key part of life. They were utterly and totally marginalized and alone. Shepherds were people to be avoided, people to be looked at with suspicion, people not to be trusted. This was the life of a shepherd. Can you imagine what that must have been like? And you see, over the last couple of years, as I've read about the shepherds and learned about shepherds and thought about the shepherds, I began to see more and more parallels between the lives of the shepherds and the challenges that they faced and the lives of the people that we are privileged to serve every single day at Kelowna's Gospel Mission. Because you see, our clients and residents, they know exactly what it feels like to be isolated and alone. They know what it feels like to be stigmatized and marginalized. They know what it's like to be avoided on the street, for people to move over and walk on the other side. They know exactly what it's like to be looked at with suspicion, like they can't be trusted. See, the people that we serve every day, they know exactly what the shepherds felt like because that's their reality every single day. Which I think is quite sad, isn't it? When you think about the fact that culture hasn't changed very much in the last 2,000 years, when it comes to how we view and welcome and value and love people who find themselves on the margins. I think it's sad that not much has changed at all. But the truth of the matter is, you don't have to be someone who's experiencing homelessness and the challenges of homelessness to know what it's like to feel isolated and alone. The truth of the matter is, in our culture today, many of us know exactly what it feels like to feel isolated and alone, to feel unseen, unnoticed, unvalued, to feel uncared for and unloved. Many of us know what it's like to struggle day in and out, just trying to get by, just trying to survive and wondering, does anybody notice? Does anybody see me? Does anybody care? The truth of the matter is, many of us know exactly what it feels like to be on the outside looking in, desperately hoping and longing for someone to notice and care. Which is why I would suggest this story, especially the shepherd's role in it, is so powerful for us today. Now, I want you to imagine what it must have been like. At that time, in that place, in history, with your country in the grip of the Roman Empire, with people feeling helpless and hopeless, oppressed and crushed on every side, hoping and longing for something better, but believing that there is no hope Darkness surrounded everyone. And then imagine being part of the shepherds and being pushed even further to the margins in that community when all of a sudden into that place in that time with people facing all of those challenges, God explodes onto the scene in the person of Jesus. God explodes onto the scene. He says, no, 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 no. You are not forgotten. I see you. I hear you. I know you. I love you. As a matter of fact, I am coming to live among you, to enter into your struggle and your pain. I am coming to bring hope into your situation by walking there with you. 
I'm going to come alongside. I love you so much that I am coming down to bring hope. There is hope. There is peace. There is joy. I have come to bring wholeness, to put this broken world back together again in the coming of Jesus. Friends, that is an amazing thing. And who does he entrust to tell everyone else about this good news of great joy that God has exploded on the scene that is for all the people? Who does he go to and say, hey, you're the guys that I want to go tell the story. I want you to go out and let everyone know what's happened. Who does he show up to and say, okay, you're the guys that I want going out there and letting everybody know that hope has arrived on the scene. Joy is here. Peace has come. I have come to put the whole world back together again. A new kingdom is on the scene. It's going to change everything. And you're my messengers. You embody the message. You go out there and tell everyone. Who is it? Who? Shepherds. Shepherds, trust me, people who are hearing this story in the first century, they're just like, what the hey ding dong is going on? Why shepherds? I said in the first service, you know, if your parents are teenagers, teenagers, parents, yeah, feel free to steal that saying. That's a maritime saying, what the hey ding dong. I use it 3,700 times a day. Every time I walk into a room with my kids, I'm just like, what the hey ding dong's going on? But that's how people felt. Why shepherds to announce this good news of great joy that's for all the people? Well, I have a theory. Do you want to hear it? Two of you. Excellent. I'm going to keep going. I warned you. Just anybody with me, I'm going to go. Here's what I would suggest is happening. I would suggest that God chooses the shepherds to carry this message forward because he wants the fact that it's shepherds embodying the message to communicate that to everyone who hears the news that this really is good news of great joy for all people because if it's good news of great joy for shepherds, for people on the margins, people who are stigmatized and marginalized and isolated alone, if it's good news for them, then it truly is good news for everyone. You see, this good news of great joy, it's not just for the religious people or the smart people or the wealthy people or the beautiful people or the popular people. No. This good news of great joy is for all people. It's for shepherds first, which means it really is good news of great joy for all people. You've seen the coming of Jesus. God is announcing, I'm exploding onto the scene and a new kingdom has arrived and a new kind of community is exploding onto the scene. One where there isn't us and them, there's just us. No more haves and have nots, no more rich and poor, no one who's in and then some who are out. No, it doesn't work that way anymore. In the coming of Jesus, God is leveling the playing field. And the coming of Jesus, he is tearing down the walls that we as people tend to build between ourselves to separate us out from those people that we consider as other, that we don't want to interact with. Jesus has come to tear that down and to create a whole new community where everyone is seen and valued and loved and cared for. And my friends, that is good news of great joy for all people. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. That's good news. It's good news for shepherds. It's good news for everyone because this good news of great joy really is for all people. But here's the rub. If this is all true, if it's true 
that in Jesus, God is coming to bring hope and healing and joy and peace and love to all people. If it's true, then the coming of Jesus, those dividing walls are being torn down and God's creating a new kingdom of love and grace and acceptance and healing and mercy and forgiveness and salvation. If God really is come to put this broken world back together again, if what the angel announced to those shepherds on that first Christmas Eve is really true, then I think it begs the question, how do we, as followers of Jesus, live out this new community, this new kingdom in our city and in our world? Or maybe we could think about it this way. How do we, as followers of Jesus, actively, tangibly create a community where everyone is seen and valued and welcomed and loved and cared for, especially those people in our community who find themselves on the margins and who desperately need to know that they matter too, who desperately need to know that this good news of great joy is really for them too. What would it look like for a community of Jesus followers to live that out? And how would it change the way that people see us, but experience Jesus and the love that he's come to share this Advent and Christmas season? So we kind of wrap up this morning. What I want to do is just kind of create some space for us to be kind of quiet and to think that through. I want to create some space where we can reflect on the story of the shepherds and who they were and what that meant. Some time to reflect and listen to what the Spirit might be saying us this morning when it comes to us being people who've experienced and are called to live out this good news of great joy that's for all people. So I want us just to take a few moments. If you want to bow your head and close your eyes, you can. You don't have to. But I just want to create some space where we can quiet our hearts, calm our minds, and listen to what the Spirit might be saying. And I don't pretend to know where you might be at this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you actually identify with the shepherds. Maybe this morning you're here and you feel isolated and alone. You feel like no one sees you, no one cares for you, no one values you. You desperately need someone to just say, you matter. And if that's where you're at this morning, it's my hope and my prayer that in these quiet moments that you would just hear Jesus whispering that you are loved and you are valuable and you are welcome and you are cared for and that he has come. He is with you in the midst of whatever you're facing so you do not have to be alone. Or maybe you're here this morning and the Spirit's stirring your heart. Maybe this morning the Spirit's challenging you about some of the, the stigmatized ideas that you've bought into when it comes to people that we might consider as other in our community. Or maybe this morning you're being stirred about some of the walls that you've built up in your life to separate you out from people so that you don't have to interact with them, so you can avoid them, so you can move away from them and not actually enter into relationship and live out this good news of great joy. Or maybe this morning the Spirit's stirring your heart and you recognize that it's time to actually get actively involved. Maybe the Spirit is stirring you to step up and to volunteer 
with Columbus Gospel Mission, through the church, with some other organization in town that's actually on the ground and interacting with people who desperately need to know that they matter and that they're valued and that there is hope. Or maybe, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're being challenged to invest your finances in caring for the least of these in fresh and new ways. Or maybe even right now, God's bringing somebody to mind that you know is on the margins and really struggling. And yet fear has kept you from reaching out and caring for them. And maybe this morning, the step for you is to say, God, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna be your hands and feet. I don't know what it might be for you this morning. Maybe it's something else. But here's what I do know. A savior has come and his name is Jesus. And he loves you so very much that he actually came and entered into our humanity and lived life. He knows and understands through experience all the ups and downs and the pains and the joy that life brings. And he is with us today. And he longs for us to be people who don't just know this good news of great joy. That's for all the people, but people who live that out and share radical, relentless, compassionate love with all of our neighbors, especially those on the margins who desperately need to know that they are valued and loved. So I'm gonna invite you just to kind of bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment and we'll just, we'll be quiet and just kind of let the spirit speak. And then after a few moments, I'll pray and then the worship team will lead us. Jesus, we thank you for your love and for your grace. We thank you for this good news of great joy that is for all the people. A Savior has come. Remind us this morning of your great love for us. Remind us that you are here with us. this morning that you would continue to stir our hearts and call this community and the greater community of Jesus followers in Kelowna to rise up, to share and tangibly live out this good news of great joy that's for all the people so that everyone, everyone would know that they are seen and valued and loved. We pray this especially for our brothers and sisters this morning who find themselves on the margin, feeling isolated, ignored, alone. 
Would you break our hearts for them, I pray. Would you call us to be kingdom bringers in our community, I pray. To your honor and your glory, we ask these things, Lord Jesus.